It's time for the word, and I want to welcome uh, Sharon. Yebo, thank you very much. My name is Sharon, and I'll be reciting Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 15, NIV. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The serpent said to the woman, the woman said to the serpent, we may, eat from, we may eat fruit from any tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God in the heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So I hid. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the man said, the woman who you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cast are you above all, cast are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Sharon, you are blessed. Uh, let us, uh, anyway, we thank God. The, the topic of the subject uh, today is seized from the beginnings. Seized from the beginnings. And at this point in time, I want to welcome uh, the preacher, uh, whom I kindly ask uh, that we pray for. So kindly, let us, glory to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, it's just another time, another opportunity that you've prepared for us. By your grace for us to be able to feed from your table. How grateful and how joyful we are to receive from you. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to bring forth your servant, whom you have prepared as a vessel to be able to be used today of you, for the glory and honor of your name. May you anoint her. In the name of Jesus, give her the utterance, and the Lord prepare her heart, be receptive of the word. We thank you and we honor you. For it is through Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, uh, our service leader today, Mr. Benjamin Musuni. The Lord bless you for the wonderful work that you have done. Wow. I think Sharon, Sharon, you should have just continued with the sermon of the day. After having the scripture in your heart like that, you know, we should just say amen and go home. I am really, really blessed this morning. Thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I know you've been uh, working together with a team uh, doing memorization of the scripture. If any one of us is interested, please don't say, I cannot. Just make yourself available, and Ryan will be able to help with that journey. Just having to hide the word of God in your heart. What a wonderful uh, thing that is happening in our church, and we want to bless the Lord for that. Buona sifiwe. Amen. Um, our, our, our sermon today, uh, the topic has been mentioned almost three times, uh, seized from the beginning. And kindly let's take note that uh, our theme for the year is seize the moment. And as we begin our series this month, we are looking at seized for the cross. That is the general theme as we walk towards Easter. And so when, uh, as we search the scriptures, I want to ask us to prepare our hearts so that the Lord may just minister to us as we look at what he has for us today and in the coming Sundays as we looked at seized for the cross. Because that is, that is all that it is about us who are believers. It is about the work of Christ on the cross it's all about salvation of men. Everything will come back to you and me and our salvation and the restoration and redemption and eternity at the end of it all. And so as we looked at seas from the beginning, the reading, uh, not the reading, the recitation that has been made from Genesis 1.15 is a very familiar scripture that we are all aware of. If you are not, then we thank God that you are here today so that we may search the scriptures together. And it lays the basis of our beginning. But to, understand, to help us understand the topic seized from the beginning, I know one of the questions I asked myself is, who is being seized? Is it me or is it Christ? And we'll be looking at the centrality of Jesus Christ, who from the beginning was seized for the purpose of your salvation from the beginning, from the word go. So that later when we are looking in John 1, 1, that in the beginning there was word. It is a declaration from the word go. And the Lord God had a, a salvation plan for you and me that we eventually see when serpent is crushed, when his head is crushed, and his uh, heel strike, and we see victory of the cross. Praise be to God. And so God created us, me and you, and everything around us from nothing. When the world was chaotic, when it was formless, when there was nothing that made sense, he made us perfect, and he made everything perfect. And at the end of it, he declared and he said it was good. And actually, at the end of us... Um, of, 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 of the, seventh, the sixth day, before he rested, he said that everything was good. 
You know, there is an African myth, an African story that says that men had a very close relationship with God. That they used to commune, you know, to talk to one another until some men offended God. And from there, there was a separation between the heavens and the earth. And men could no longer commune with God. But what we like with the narrative today that we have read is that at the end of, our, at the end of it all, when there had been a separation between mankind and God, you know, there is a redemption plan. There is a redemption story. And so God created us and said we were good. And our relationship with him was good. And we trusted one another. It was a perfect world. You know, there was no people running around hiding in figged uh, clothes. There were, you know, no people trying to hide away from the face of God. There were no conflicts, no hostility. You know, humankind was responsible as God's stewards taking care of creation. Therefore, a good relationship between God and man, between the people and the people, and between people with the environment. And these people we are talking about is Adam and Eve. But there was a perfect, you know, world that had been created before the fall. Then the fall happens, and it distorts the original plan that God had. And it happens, and it reveals again the love of God and his mercy over humanity. And he reveals a restoration plan that we might not have known about, you know, at the beginning when everything was perfect. I mean, what was there to be restored? What was there to be redeemed when everything was just perfect? And so the part of the narrative that we wouldn't have known was the narrative after the rebellion of man, after the disobedience of man. If they had just remained perfect as they were, good as they were, and so the fall helps us to understand, despite how bad it is, it helps us to understand that it is and it was from beginning that the Son of Man, born through a virgin birth, because there are people who are stuck at Christ being the Son of Mary, and they do not look at the whole narrative of Jesus being involved from the creation, when you know God says, let us, you know, you would want to ask yourself, who is the let us, you know, let us create man in our own image and likeness. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were involved from the word go. But now we are battling with so many narratives that have come up and people have gotten stuck to the virgin birth. And they are talking about Jesus being the son of Mary and forgetting the whole narration and the prophecies in the Old Testament. Um, and so Jesus was seized from the word go to play the redemptive story, the part, you know, if it was a drama, the part of the redemption, it was a sign for Jesus from the word go. And so to help us understand what we are looking at today, there are three doings that we will look at as we look at the story. And number one, you know, why we needed to be saved, the vulnerability our vulnerability, the vulnerability of humankind. The number two is the violation. We also witness a violation by the serpent. You know, the part that he plays 
in violating and deflowering the beautiful thing that God had created. And then number three, we see the great visitation, the visitation of God in the garden uh, of Eden and what that means to us today. And so number one, we look at the vulnerability. And so when we look at Adam and Eve, these are two figures representing the creation of a family, man and woman. Man and woman, not Adam and Steve. You know, people say there was an editing. There is no editing. It is Adam and Eve. It is Adam and Eve. And so many narratives that have come that, you know, people who support gay marriages have tried to edit the scripture to make it something else. But also they are representing humanity because Adam is the Hebrew word for humanity and Eve is the Hebrew word for life. And so representing that which God, you know, desired that what he intended when he created us, that we may be there, human beings alive and worshiping him and glorifying him. Perfect world. And so when we look at vulnerability, it is very good. It is very good to be vulnerable. But the question is, who are you being vulnerable to? You know, sometimes you go, you are vulnerable to people who will take advantage of your weaknesses or your vulnerability and use them to destroy you. Or use them to misdirect you. And so there is something that happens in the garden of heaven. And so vulnerability is exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. You know when you are so exposed, when you are very vulnerable. We, we are more vulnerable when our weaknesses are exposed. Let me tell you, if I stand here today and I say, Pasakasim, you know now I can just use you. <laughs> because I know there will be no war after this. <laughs> I saw last night the Lord revealed one, two, three about you, and it is something that is so personal. You know, you will start fearing, number one, me, <laughs> and number two, you will feel so vulnerable that, if, and especially if that thing is so true, you know, and it is, if it is a secret that you've been hiding, that you don't want people to know about, and the Lord begins to reveal it to other people, you know, we were talking this week in our devotion and someone was sharing how the Lord used to reveal things about people. And he would walk into a congregation and look and see things. You know, when you know that, you can be so scared that you might not show up in church. And that we might not have Pastor Kasim next Sunday. <laughs> and you know, we have those preachers I remember in high school, they used to come and say, you stand, come here. You did this and this and this in front of the crowd. You know, sometimes private rebuke is better. But they would call you out in public and rebuke you in front of people that you feel like next time when you're walking around, everybody knows your issues. And so, you know, when your weaknesses are exposed, when people know, and that's why we hit each other so much on social media. A husband and a wife, you know, do not agree anymore. They go on social media. And they download all the messages they've been writing to each other and they expose each other. We have Edgar Obares of the day. You know, we know a few of us might know him. He's always there looking for deep secrets about people and highlighting them on the social media. Because there is something that people gain power when they feel they know you and they want to just expose you 
so that you know you go defending yourself and there's been a story uh, going around recently about uh, a kikuyu uh, celebrity i think he sings now his name has disappeared but you know there's been a story about him on the internet and he's been going around apologizing and apologizing for mistakes he did long time ago exposed himself to the wife forgave each other but then somebody has decided we are making it public and they has just thrown it to everyone else but then at that point when you are exposed you feel so vulnerable but then again there is something that we normally are afraid of each other knowing each other's secrets but we are not really afraid that the lord knows those things that we do in private we are not scared and, and and at some point i will be sharing because i like the reaction at some point it is not a good reaction but when you sin and you know that you are living in sin it should make you to hide away from the presence of the lord at least it should number one scare you that the lord is here and you are sitting as if everything is okay the presence of the lord should cause a fire inside us to really cause us to it is not good to hide but i pray that the hiding is for examining personal reflection and sincerely seeking the face of the lord how was man vulnerable in this story number 1 we see failure to discern and we see that in verse 1 it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord had made and eve with the wisdom that the lord had given her together with adam because he was there the bible says he was there with her we do not know the distance between the two of them but he was in the vicinity because when the fruit when it was time to eat he was present to eat so we do not know how far but he was present but man was not able and in man i mean human beings we sometimes are not able to discern the craftiness of the serpent who is always around looking for because that is his mission his mission is to cause us to fall his mission is to bring you down to bring me down when if he sleeps that is when he you know in the morning they say he hovers around looking for who to devour we are not told if he sleeps but every time when you wake up in the morning there is two forces that are fighting you know that are in action around your life evil and good and christians we need to realize this because sometimes we are not too sensitive we are not sensitive to the spirit of god and we find ourselves deceived by the craftiness of this world and we find ourselves doing things that are not right and so number one failure to discern satan's craftiness discern come from discernment we are told come from the holy spirit who is in us you know and he was there in adam and eve let us make man in our own image and likeness they had the godliness of god in them but for one moment he, they, they could not discern this how many times have we made wrong moves and decisions because we have we haven't paused to consult the, to consult the spirit of god guiding us you know what is when we do not listen to his warning so number 1 it was the failure to discern number 2 the communion with the devil and we see that in verse 2 and 3 you know 
the woman said to the servant, serpent, sorry. So number one is his craftiness. And then he begins to speak to the woman and he says, did God really say you must not eat any tree in the garden? So number one, he is having a conversation with you. Okay, which is fine. You know, you cannot stop me from having a conversation with you. Neither sometimes can you control whoever the enemy is using to have conversations with you. But we need, number one, to have the Spirit of God to discern whenever we are having these conversations to know who is this I'm having this conversation with. But number two is that how do you begin to entertain such conversation? You know that you are now really having conversation. And I, I remember there was, you know, I shared this the other time. There was this game that people were inviting Charlie Charlie, who is supposed to be a ghost, you know? And you're inviting Charlie Charlie, you know, are you here? You know? And then he shows up. Whether it's a real game, whether it is fake, whether it is stories in the internet, but finding you to play part in such a game. You know, it's like walking into a, a Muganga to go and see a witch doctor. You know for sure you are not consulting the spirits of God. You are consulting something else. Consulting something else. And so we see man vulnerability by having communion with the devil in verse 2 and 3. All we need to always recognize is that God has given us authority in the name of Jesus Christ. He has given us authority over demonic attacks and interference in our lives. And we see a conversation that uh, Angel, Angel, Archangel Michael is having with, the, the, with Satan in Jude 9. And he says, but even the Archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but he says, the Lord rebuke you. The moment the Spirit of God gives you discernment, it is the moment to cut off and say, the Lord rebuke you. It is not conversation to, to entertain. And so lack of knowledge or lack of information was another vulnerability that they had in verse 2 and 3. Eve does not know the name of the tree. In fact, he adds some words. I don't know if you've ever realized this. So when the serpent is having this conversation with, uh, with the woman, as the Bible calls it, you know, he says, so the woman says, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did not say, uh, but the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat uh, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Were those words true? What were the original words in Genesis chapter 2? Bwana sifiwe. Najiongelesha peke yangu. Bwana sifiwe. What were the words? The original words. You can type those who are watching online. Uh-huh. You should not touch was not the original word. Okay? Thank you. That was an additional, eh? You know somebody says uh, women we we love adding salt. You know, so in that excitement, she just added some other words. What was the other one? There is also something else. 
You know, I can see, I can see Daktari with a huge Bible, but it's not open, so we can just continue. Uh, <laughs> so the, 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 the instruction was, you should not eat the tree of what? The tree of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the instruction. But this serpent with his craftiness, he's having this conversation with Eve, and Eve is saying, oh, you know, we were told we should not eat, but we, you know, we may eat of every other tree, but not the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and we should not even touch it, or rather we will die. And there are some Jewish scholars that, are, that have said that at that point, <laughs> this is funny, that the, the, the serpent pushed her and she touched the tree, and she did not die. Sometimes do we pass this information to others? When you, the Lord has given you to, pos, to be in a position to rebuke, to correct, to train others in righteousness, we do not do it with the same strength and the same capacity. You know, somebody talks about kubembeleza dhambi. We entertain sin because we really don't want to call it in black and white. And we have so many gray areas. And so we are being called back because in doing so, we are assisting in violating the good that God had created. And so number three, we see attacks on God's word. So as to plant doubt about the truth that the Lord had given them. Brothers and sisters, Satan knows scriptures and he can use it to twist, to, get, to, to just get to you. And we see this happening to Jesus Christ when he's on a 40-day, 40-night fast. And Satan comes and says, you know, do this and this and this. And the Lord responds in scripture and says, scripture says this. And when the, Jesus uses scripture over and over, he defeats the enemy. But then we see in this story that Satan begins to twist the scripture, to twist the truth so that he may get to us. But did you really, 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 do you really, really believe that he said that? And you begin to doubt did he really, really say he will resurrect after three days? You begin to doubt, is this really, really the Lord? You know, and he plans, he begins first level by attacking our knowledge on the word of God. He begins to have that conversation so that anatupima, you know, how far do we know? And how much can he manipulate to get to us? And we get people right now out there preaching a different gospel. Because they have allowed the enemy to twist the true gospel in them. And we have religions popping up. We have people, you know, like the Mormons, believing in themselves that they are the gods, you know, and begin to twist that they have the power within them. Because they have allowed a twist. And sometimes we think we are saved. They were children of God, separated from every bad thing. They were the kind that had been declared to be very good. But we see with the craftiness of the enemy, he got to them. We are not any different. We need to be alert to the spirit of God. Or else we will play part in not being good because we have received Jesus Christ who has redeemed us and restored us, yet we participate in violating that which God is trying to make good in this world. We are playing part and participating in destroying and not playing part in building up the kingdom of God here on earth. 
It's something that should cause us to mourn as we were looking at the Beatitudes. And so verse 4 certainly reveals Eve's misunderstanding of God's word and uses that weakness to gain mileage. And he moves for a kill. You know, it's like a prey who is targeting and saying, now this is your weak point, and he hits. We have a responsibility to search the scriptures, brothers and sisters, and to know the truth, and to be equipped, and equip ourselves with every word of truth that we find in the word of God. Or else we will perish so much because the crafty enemy is hovering around. He would know when to lay his foundation. He would know when to, to twist the truth in our lives. And he began to doubt God's word and doubted that God is good and doubted that sin can be good, you know, and began to believe that sin can be good. And Satan is intention begins to seep in our life. And sometimes we fall and we say, Nishetani. But by the time you are doing it, it is because you have played part to entertain the enemy so long, so enough time that he has really caught you into another fold. The violation came in not only because of the temptation, but because the decision to eat the fruit was consciously, was a conscious decision for both Adam and Eve. Satan did not shove the, ap- the, tree, uh, the fruit, not the apple. You know, we've been meant to believe it's an apple. You know, he did not shove it down their throat. But by the time he was done with them, they picked it and ate and shared it with someone else. Let me tell you, when the enemy wants to use you as an agent, by the time he's done with you, you are the principal <laughs> of them all. And you are moving around wooing generations and people and misleading a whole nation. And the crowd is following you in masses. You know, a huge crowd. Because you, he has made you a good disciple. And even the person who had received the instruction did not ask any question. He continued and he ate. Misleading until the head of the family. The visitation. Now, when we look at the vulnerability and the wars that are there in the vulnerability, and we look at the participation of man in violating the good of the Lord, that which he has created, there is hope, brothers and sisters. There is hope. We cannot leave that story there where we are wondering what happened. You know, it is at that point when we feel we are done, that God shows up. And he shows up in different ways. Lucky for Adam and Eve, it was a wonderful, cool afternoon. And he's doing his round and visiting and coming to, you know, seek fellowship. But there is a time when there was a flood that wept a whole generation. And a few remnants. You know, the way the Lord shows up is, shows up is different. When we are still alive, the Lord is showing up every day. The redemptive story, the redemptive plan. And he's always reaching out that he may give us an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to make amends, an opportunity to seek his face. Because he says the flood will not happen again. And in doing that, he came and he brought yield. And so many times we blame God for leaving us. You And asking you, where are you? 
And so the Bible tells us that in the cool of the day, the Lord was their guest. He visited them. He went to have fellowship. Of course, he knew what had happened. He goes and says, Mama said she is not at home. They took off when the visitor comes. And they think they can hide away from the sovereign God whose eyes is over the Garden of Eden. Because of their sin, you take off. You no longer show up in church again. Because of sin. And that is the strategy of the enemy. Because in your taking off, you continue to hide away from the Lord. You are no longer at a space where you are reflecting on your doings. You know, sometimes we preach like this and it's hot and you are sleeping. But somehow the Lord have an encounter with you. Somehow he speaks to you. Somehow you begin to reflect on your life. Somehow a word comes across. You are here. But if you take off, you hide away from the face of the Lord. And he says, your sin will make me hide away from you. So they sin. Then in their foolishness, they try to cover up. We've been watching news of, there was a story of this girl who was killed and the body was taken all the way to the, the sides of Magadi, mutilated, and they tried to hide her away. The schemes of the evil one. You sin and you try to cover up. Those are major ones. There are those others that we hide under the carpets in our homes and nobody can touch that closet because the skeletons are just too full. In their foolishness, they try to cover up and they hide away from the eye of him who is so sovereign and, you know, watching over the garden. He, vis he visits for fellowship, but they could not even show their faces to their creator. They were so embarrassed. Sin embarrasses. Satan seeks to separate us, take off, and we are left embarrassed. And so where was he when God was there? You know, why was he not there to say, now you see, this is, this is your creation. They are wiser than you. They are, you know. God seeks to know where they are, not because he doesn't know, but there was a separation in their fellowship. In verse 10, we see, you know, how they respond. He answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. How do we respond to God's visitation when we have sinned? Do we hide, in his, do we hide away from his presence? Does his presence remind us of what we ought to have done and we did not do? Does it remind us of the cross? Does it call us to a place of repentance or do we pretend to be fine and, si and in silence and silence every voice that is trying to rebuke us and to remind us of that which we need to amend, the ways that we need to amend? And so in verse 11 and 12, we see his visitation is an opportunity for them to have a conversation around what they had really done. And so he asked them, who told you you are naked? Have you, have you, have you disobeyed me? Have you broken, you know, the command? Have you rebelled against my words? Who told you you are not able? When did you begin not to trust the word of God over your life? When did you begin to, 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 to not trust the promises of the Lord in your life? And so they are having this conversation. And we see Adam very quickly pointing out to Eve. 
and we see Eve pointing out to the sun, but to the serpent, but he acts, she accepts and she owns up to our mistakes, and she said, "I was deceived and I ate." It seems easy to throw blames around. God deals with the one who had been entrusted with the responsibility. He comes and he asks the question, Adam. He didn't come looking for Eve. And I admire King David in 2 Samuel 12, 13, where he says, he quickly admits before the Lord and he says, I have sinned. How many times do we quickly just go before the Lord and acknowledge, I am a sinner, Lord. I need forgiveness. I cannot exist without a fellowship with you. And verse 13 and 14, God has everyone out. I was deceived and I ate. It is this woman you brought. It was the serpent. At, that, at what point does one notice that they have been deceived? At what point do you notice that really the life that you've been living is a lie because you have been deceived? More than often, it is after you have been conned your money, you know, you meet people in the streets, they sit and they look at you and they look so blank. You ask them what has happened. They have taken away all my money. At what point did you realize that they have taken away your money? When the money has gone, then that cover comes and you notice, oh, I withdrew 400,000 and I gave out without any fights. You know, how many of us have been gone? Please don't raise your hand. But I know you have had a story or you have gone through the experience. They lazy you, you don't notice, you function, you do everything so willingly, but then you wake up. And it is the same response that is happening here. I have been deceived and I ate. God's visitation does not leave us the same again. Sin changes us, but the encounter with the Lord restores us, born as if he were. And this is where our hope lies. He, assure, he surely makes a way for us. When our back, when our back, when our back, when our backs are against the wall, and it seems as if it's over, he comes and he makes a way for us. This described today in the scripture is known as the fall. No one will ever fall like Adam and Eve fell. The fall brought in everything that God had not intended for us, for you and me. Their fall came with a separation between man and God, and we are born with sin. And the Bible tells us that, you know, we have all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And you wonder, but I've just been born. No, it's the original sin. Their fall brought in mistrust between men and conflicts and wars that we talk about, even the natural disasters, broken relationships, outright rejections that goes around. The things that you are battling with right now as a result of the fall. The things we are handling as a nation as a result of the fall. That which seems, that which you seem to be battling with. But then here is the good news. From the beginning, when everything looked like it was over, they experienced the mercy of the Lord, Buana Sifiwe. From the beginning, Christ was seized for you and me for the purpose of the cross. 
that we may experience him, that we may have someone we can be vulnerable to and we are safe, that we may have some day of our life. The great visitation of the garden brought along the redemptive story for you and me. And the Bible says that cursed are you above livestock, and this is to the serpent and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You know, you would almost want to ask, was he not crawling before? You know, maybe he had two legs like you and me. And he says, you will eat dust all the days of your life. But then this is where the redemptive story says, and I will put an, an enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Buona sifiwe. His head has been crushed. Satan is not our friend. He is not your friend. He is our enemy who has been defeated and we have our victory in Christ Jesus. With him, we can be vulnerable. For he chose us in him before creation for the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In his love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Have you been adopted? We were talking about the sonship of the Lord last week. Have you been adopted? You know, that is the joy that we find in this. And I would like to just invite the worship team and we sing and worship him who has, a, you know, our God who has us in his heart. That every time, even when we are not perfect, when Satan is there trying to make us imperfect, trying to make every good in our lives bad, we get an opportunity to be redeemed by him. And as we sing this song, I just want us to worship the Lord today. Let us just worship him today. And we worship the goodness of the Lord and his good plans for us in our lives. It might not seem so right now when you look at our family and you say we have been deceived. When you look at your life and the promises that the Lord has for your life and you feel I am not receiving any one of them because I have been deceived. This Lord is not even faithful. Our God is a faithful God. Let no enemy lie to you. He is a faithful God. Listen, this is what the word of God says. When we lift him up, he draws men to himself. We cannot be the ones who violate that. Let us worship the Lord and he will draw men to himself. And if there's anyone of us here who says, I need to be prayed for. You know, the pastors will be here to just pray for you at the end of the service. In whatever place you are at. And so just raise your voices and worship the Lord. He says every knee will bow down and every tongue will acknowledge that he is the Lord. It is him from the beginning that we will acknowledge that he is the Lord. Lord, you continue to teach us great lessons concerning seizing these divine moments. Even to take leadership. Since the righteous when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And this is the year, Lord, that we shall take. Grab these divine moments that you give to us, that some of us will even give it a try, even to vie for positions of leadership. 
This is the time, Lord, we shall try to enter into new business ventures that have never been tried before. This is the time that we shall try to get into things that the devil has whispered that it is not possible. Because, Lord, you have a, a great plan for us. And more importantly, Lord, we are already seized by you. We no longer live for ourselves because, God, you seized us for yourself. You created us to reign. You created us for Eden, the garden of holiness and the heavenly relationship. You placed us there. You created us last. You created us last so that we may reign. You created us for heavenly instructions so that we do not have to choose between evil and good. Yet, Lord, we listen to that other voice, the other voice of the evil one. But even so, this morning, you continue to pursue us. You pursue us so that you may seize us again. And Lord, we respond even as we sing. Touch me once more, Lord. Touch me, Lord, and seize me once more, Lord. Because we have come to a city, a city of evil, a city with dancing balls, a city with evil thoughts. And we are lost in the city of life. And we are already out there because we listen to the evil voice. We are lost in sin and we are defeated in sin. But we hear your voice pursuing us again because you seized us from the beginning. You created us for victory. And as we conclude this service, please stand up those who can. But if you wish to continue in that mood, continue in that mood of prayer. If you wish, and you can still raise your hand even if you are seated at home or in this sanctuary. I would like to pray even as we continue telling Lord, touch me once more. Touch me, Lord, and take me from to the beginnings where you had the great plans for me. Where you knew that I would do great exploits, Lord. You did not create me for defeat. You did not want me to be defeated. I do, no I do know that I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am not a defeated Christian. We are not a defeated church. The devil has brought voices. The church has lost favor. When they hear a Christian, they are no longer trusting that we know who we are talking about. Lord, we declare that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are able to crush the head of the serpent. We are able to crush because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are above evil covenant. We are above evil covenant because we are already seized with the seizing of the cross of Calvary. We are above bewitchment that they cannot bewitch us that we are already secured in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been seized for victory. And therefore you dear one May Jehovah bless thee. May he keep thee. May Jehovah make his face to shine upon thee. And may he be gracious to thee. May Jehovah cover you under his wings on Monday. And on Tuesday. And on Wednesday may the Lord show his face upon you. On Thursday whatever comes your way. In the matatus in your cars. Wherever you go you are blessed as you come in. 
You are even blessed as you go. May the Lord show his face upon you on Friday. Even on Saturday, may the Lord give you a song. May the Lord give you, uh, because God is good, and because God, you are our benefactor, may you supply to the needs of your children. May there be a smile to replace that tear of your beloved Lord. May you shine afresh to your beloved. Even those who come back to you, those who have backslidden are coming back to you, those who have given their lives to you, they are your beloved. May you show your face and shine afresh. Even Lord, we come to you as we are. We have become weak spiritually. The Lord shines upon us afresh. I pray that the Lord may visit you afresh. I speak revival upon your life in the name of Jesus Christ. We bring down all the spiritual altars of the enemy. All those strongholds in your life that make you lazy. Those strongholds in your life that make you um, um, a toothless in the things of ministry. We bring them down in Jesus' name. And Lord, come and rebuke Satan for us. Even as you revive us afresh. Giving us the power again to go back to prayer life. Giving us the power again to be tasteful, even in our society and our community, that we'll be able to bring more, more life to you, that more people shall come to you, even as we minister in this hill. That this Advent Hill is a blessed hill. We pray for our neighbors, Lord. We pray for all those who live in this hill, dear Lord, that there shall be a blessing. We pray that this year shall be a, a hill of singing, a hill of salvation, a hill of glory because, Lord, you have planted a church here. Therefore, may you dwell in this place, in this Advent Hill, in our families, in this land, because you reign. Therefore, touch us once more in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Let's give a clap and clap. And therefore, let us uh, minister to one another as we say the grace, looking at one another, even as we speak to one another. May the grace of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. 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 God bless you.